0: All welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources to remind you, you don't mom alone. This is our fifth week of the summer of mentorship. And this episode originally aired in August of 2016. It was episode 129 entitled Recovery for Life. It's a chat with another mentor from my church community, Lynn Hoffman.
1: What I came to find out was it was a safe place where I could go and start being with other people who are willing to actually be honest and stop pretending and willing to start talking about the reality of the problems that were going on in their life and how they could really start
0: leaning into God to help them change and learn new ways of doing life. I'm guessing you're like me and motherhood has revealed your most broken places. I thought that I could blame my boy's behavior, or maybe the fact that I haven't read that one parenting book, or if I caught the magical contentment unicorn that always seemed just beyond my grasp. Well, none of these options have really panned out and it's really my own junk, the everyday yuck that rises up to the surface when hard things happen. And with the pace of life and the needs of my people, I don't often stop and examine what's going on more closely. Well, that was until our small group several years ago joined the recovery program at our church. And through some honest self-examination and community, God showed us where we've been holding wrong beliefs and how they impacted our relationship. Today's guest, Lynn Hoffman, helped start our church's recovery program over 17 years ago. And God also led her to write the book, Steps Into God's Grace. It's a Bible study based on the 12 steps of recovery. In this episode, Lynn shares her own struggle with performance, people pleasing, and codependency. She's going to give us insight into why recovery isn't just for addicts. And she encourages us to identify our own emotions so we can teach our children to do the same. Speaking of teaching our kids about emotions, that's one of the many features I love in the Write the Word For kids, Bible journal. Have you gone and checked it out yet? Go over to cultivatewhatmatters.com. Make sure you look at the different pictures, even in the show notes. What you're going to see is a journal that's not blank. There are prompts. The child will write the day's date, what they're grateful for, and what they're feeling. But what's awesome is you don't stop with feelings, you move forward to God's truth and His Word, and they can write out His Word and they can reflect on His Word and how it lines up with their feelings. I think it's a great tool to plant seeds of faith in your kid. We know that God's word never returns void. If you want to go check it out, go to cultivatewhatmatters.com. And as a DMA listener, a don't mom alone listener, you get 10% off if you use the code don't mom alone. So go over to cultivatewhatmatters.com and use that code don't mom alone to get 10% off. All right, let's get to my chat with Lynn. Here we go. Hey, Lynn, welcome to the God Center Mom Podcast. Thanks, Heather. I'm so glad to be here. And I am just thrilled. Uh, you're kind of a legend at our church. So you know, <laughs> so Everyone's like, have you met Lynn yet? Everyone's talking about your work and our community and our small group is just kind of stepping into that. And I've shared a little bit that about that on the podcast. But I just know that God's going to use your story today and I can't wait for women around the world to get to hear from you. And so before we get into all that, would you please just introduce everyone to your family?
1: Sure. I have a husband. I've been married to him for 22 years, my husband, Richard. And I have three children, um, Lauren, Ryan and Zach. They are all grown and two of them are married. I also have um, two stepchildren,
0: uh, Kim and John. Wow. Full house. Yes, it is. whole house. Now you have been on this, your own journey of recovery before you started leading the ministry at our church. And I would just love to hear more about that. How did you get in to this whole 12 step program process?
1: Yeah, that, that is kind of a, a long story, but um, what I've um, come to better understand now is that you know, for most of my life, I really just relied on my performance to make life work. Mm. And I worked really hard to perform in school and then to perform in my job and then to try to be a great mom and a great wife. And I was exhausted. Mm. It, it seemed like nothing I did um, seemed to actually obtain the results I wanted. My kids were just really out of control in so many ways and my marriage with my husband was really failing and so I ended up getting a divorce and it was at that time that I actually became a Christian and really sought God in a way that I had never done before and I started praying and reading and going to Bible studies And while I was working full time and had a business at that point, time, I was um, president of my own commercial real estate company and had 300 people reporting to me and spent a lot of time at work Mm -hmm. and work where I got a lot of my sense of significance and value and work seemed actually easy. I could do work. Things were in control. My relationships weren't all great, but work, work went well. Um, As a Divorce was not an easy thing for me, but I was really glad that I found the Lord in the midst of that. Not soon after, I remarried, and then, of course, found myself with two more children. So then I had five between the ages of six and 14. Mm. And I was really stretched by just all the issues and problems of trying to blend a family, being in a second marriage. And I really struggled. I was really having a hard time with trying to do everything right and doing everything properly and just felt really lost. And I, but God just kept impressing upon me to spend more time with him. So I did that. I'd really, when I had free time, I would spend time reading his word. I felt like I had, there was so much I didn't understand. And over time I really came to understand that he wanted me to stop working. That was a really difficult place for me. It was about five years into my second marriage. My um, then husband was actually my business partner. So um, I said, I think God wants me to take the summer off and spend some time with the kids. They were really needing me and their issues were becoming even greater. So he said, okay, sure, for the summer. When the summer was over, I said, "Mm, I think God really wants me to quit work, which was a really hard decision for me Mm because I I really, as I said, got a lot of my value and significance out of my work, and I felt woefully inadequate as a, as a parent. But I made that decision, and over the next few years, felt God drawing me more and more that he wanted to teach me. He had so many things he wanted to teach me about him um, and about myself and about how to have better relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for a long time, I just couldn't even go anywhere else because I just felt so compelled almost by God to be home and to study and to pray. During that time, the problems in our family became greater and I was becoming increasingly frustrated to try to manage the kids, especially, and to, um, keep them safe. And so a friend of mine encouraged me to go to recovery and truthfully, Maybe like a lot of people listening, um, I thought recovery, I mean, that's that thing for addicts and alcoholics, and I don't see how that could help me. Um, What I came to find out was it was a safe place where I could go and start being with other people who are willing to actually be honest and stop pretending and willing to start talking about the reality of the problems that were going on in their life and how they could really start leaning into God um, to help them. Change and learn new ways of doing life. And that was pretty amazing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was doing that, um, I was also continuing in um, my time with the Lord and really at some point about five years ago felt Him saying, you know, I want you to write a book. And honestly, I never thought about writing a book. I've never thought of myself as a good communicator, especially not a good writer. But I just really felt like He was saying, I want you to write about everything I've taught you. Hmm. And I had some ladies who um, said that they would come and to a Bible study if I would lead a Bible study and I would teach them about what God had taught me and that I could use that as a format for and a forum for the lessons that I was going to write. They were going to encompass this book. So I began doing that. And each week, God would give me a new Lesson and the new chapter, and those became the chapters of the book that eventually um, is now steps into God's grace. And that incorporated really what I learned in recovery with what God was teaching me in his word. So um, then I started using that study to lead other studies at the church and to um, help others come into a place of freedom from all the things that they were staying in bondage to, that were keeping them from having the life that God wanted them to live.
0: So great. I just love it. I love all of your story. I love, and I, I can identify with, the uh, just working, working, working hard. And I'm, I'm sure the woman out there listening, she could identify with that. Maybe even the one who's poured into a job. And that seems like a safer place than being home with her children. And again, this isn't a conversation about working moms versus stay-at-home moms. It's you being obedient to God and where was your heart in, in each. For that mom that is listening, that that is her struggle. And I know recovery, every struggle is different and God directs every heart. But if that mom identifies with that part of your story, what specific lessons did you learn uh, through that process to help you? Um, you know,
1: one of the things that I started learning about was the things, the lies that I was believing in my life that were controlling everything that I did. I mm-hmm. didn't even know that I, there were lies that I believed. I mean, mm. I had no awareness of that. Mm -hmm. I had no awareness previously about my heart and what was going on in my heart. And even though God's word talks so much about, you know, pay attention to your heart and be diligent with what is in your heart. I truly didn't have an understanding of what I was feeling at any particular moment or why I was feeling that way. Mm -hmm. I just kept pushing through life, just doing what the next thing seemed to be and what other people said was the right thing to do.
0: And what are some lies that go along with seeking approval and working hard? I think for me, certainly I felt like it was
1: my responsibility to know what to do, that it was my responsibility to figure things out, and it was my responsibility to make other people happy, Mm -hmm. and that other people's opinions of who I should be and how I should live my life carried a lot of weight in my life. That was the most important thing what other people thought about me in my life.
0: Yeah, that fear of man, that man's approval and like needing other people to think you're capable trumps all the other choices and motivations wow okay so you write the book and you're teaching it and you've continued to teach with this book and if y'all didn't catch it it's called steps into god's grace and the tagline is spiritual formation through god's word and the 12 steps of recovery and i don't know if someone already is like what's recovery i i only associate that with those who have addiction or alcoholism or they've really hit the bottom and they are required to go to a recovery program. What about the mom who hasn't hit bottom, but she can resonate with your story of the lies and she can resonate with your story of knowing something's wrong, but she doesn't know how to fix it. Why should she consider a 12 step recovery program?
1: Well, you know, that's really interesting when you look back at the history of the 12 steps and when it started, it actually started sometime around 1935. Hmm. And it was a group of alcoholics who had also been raised in the church. They were Christians Hmm. and they got together and started using the Bible to find a way to get free of alcoholism. Hmm. And they actually ended up um, writing those twelve steps based on what they got from God's word, mm. and they, you know, the truth is that it's a process, a spiritual process by which God can transform us. It's a process of sanctification. It's um, Dallas Willard actually says that this that the twelve steps are um, in your life with God's involvement are highly effective to bringing about personal transformation, mm. and that there any spiritual formation process would be very similar to anything that was developed by alcoholics anonymous and i think that that's what i found when i went to recovery it was it was like these steps are biblical things like doing an examination examination of your thoughts an examination of your feelings and your desires and really being able to understand what those are, to understand how important it is to confess those, to be able to be free of those, to repent from those and ask God's help to help free of those. And then to start practicing the process of making amends and offering forgiveness. They're all biblical steps. And as a matter of fact, most of the steps even mentioned, you know, with God's help or in the power of God, I had no idea what a spiritual process it was. So for any woman that's listening, I would say that it's a great way for you to consider how to grow deeper with God how to go deeper in your relationship with him, how to strengthen your relationship with your husband, how to have better relationships with your kids and show them how to have better relationships in life. So I think there are just a number of areas, whether or not you feel like you've got something that you're really struggling with that you want to be free from. That's a great reason. Um, But if you're just wanting to have a deeper relationship with the Lord, I've not come across anything that's a better process for allowing that to happen.
0: It's interesting how many times you said relationship. Right? Like we think we're this isolated individual with our own struggles and our own story, but we bump into people every second, right? Unless we're living in a monastery alone. I mean, our broken pieces and our broken places and our lies influence our actions and our thoughts and and our, you know, ways we treat other people. And I've even seen there's a chart in your Study where it goes through an interaction with an individual and kind of breaking down what went wrong. You know, writing out what did I believe and what did I think needed to happen. I'm I'm probably messing up your whole chart, but I just think it's taking a step back and looking at your feelings, looking at your your history, looking at your habits, and analyzing them in a way that I think in our busyness of life and our distractions we don't stop often to do that. And so I've already found we haven't gone through the study yet as a small group. We've been attending the larger group recovery time. And then what we found helpful was going through this feelings chart, which has been around again forever, right? These eight feelings and just stopping to say, what am I feeling right now? And I think as moms, we often are so disconnected from our own bodies. We're so interested in making sure people are fed and alive and safe and uh, that the house is staying in order, that we don't stop to think, what am I actually feeling right now? And it's not tired because that's not a true feeling. Talk through with everyone listening that feelings chart and the value of that for a mom.
1: Sure. I think that this goes back to, as we were just talking about, I really never understood what I was feeling because in my family of origin, Feelings weren't really something you paid a lot of attention to unless they were somebody else's in the family. There was maybe one person who got to have a lot of feelings. Nobody else in the family could have feelings. And we were all just Mm -hmm. supposed to ignore how we were feeling and just do the right thing, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And not that doing the right thing is wrong. It's just that you want to start understanding what is really going on inside of me. God Mm -hmm. wants to do a work on our inside. And so we have to stop and start looking at what's really going on in our inside. And for this part to look at our heart to really consider, okay, what am I really feeling? And for me, I will say the only thing I could ever say when people ask me how I was doing or how I was feeling, I would say overwhelmed, as you said, either tired or overwhelmed. And tired obviously is not an emotional feeling, but um, overwhelmed is actually fear. I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, that was fear. And so when I look at this chart I can now say if I'm feeling overwhelmed or apprehensive or feeling threatened, then I'm feeling fear. And so what am I afraid of? So it helps me then start going to a deeper level. What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of failure? I'm afraid of other people's judgment. Um, Am I afraid of making a mistake? Uh, It helps me start connecting with what's really going on inside of me. And so that I can now start talking about that and processing that and asking myself, is that a valid fear or an invalid fear? Mm -hmm. Um, And so each of these help us better understand that. Shame was one that I didn't understand at all because we have several here. Anger, fear, pain, joy, passion, love, shame, and guilt. And I now understand that I sort of put shame and guilt together. Mm -hmm. And now I understand that guilt is when I'm feeling regretful about something I did some action that I took that I now feel sorry that I did that. That's guilt. Shame, on the other hand, is when I don't feel like I'm enough. It's about my sense as a person.
0: Your worth, right? Yeah.
1: That Yes, that I, as a person, don't have value. I'm worthless. I'm a failure as a person. I'm not a failure because I just did this wrong thing, but I'm a failure just as a person. And I honestly started realizing that this particular feeling is something that is even stronger in my life than I thought the fear was that truly most of the things that are going on in my life, I'm responding to you out of this sense of I'm not enough mm-hmm. and I'm never, I'm never going to be enough. If my husband's not happy, it's because I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. If my kids aren't happy, it's because I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to start understanding, wow, That's what's really going on in me and to start processing that with God and with other people and talking about, is that a valid feeling how much of that is driving what I do more so than God.
0: Mm. And having interacted with some women the last year and praying with them and I've found that the enemy likes to keep them busy in that guilt and shame feelings like both of them, either guilt over decisions that they've made or um, that feeling of unworthiness because of the decisions sometimes that they made that then puts a value statement on them that I'm not enough for the Christian church, so I need to work harder to be a better Christian. And the enemy keeps them so busy with those feelings of, one, not telling people what I've done, whether it's an abortion, whether it's a marriage that failed. But they this enemy keeps them on those things so that they never go back, to that original lie that was placed long ago in their childhood long ago in the time of innocence the enemy whispered something into their ear and placed a seed and that's what caused them to then act out in these choices or that's what's causing that feeling of unworthiness that I don't think we take the time to really go back and uncover this study I think is helpful for taking that time.
1: Um, I I agree with you. We don't ever take the time to go back and uncover it, mostly because we don't even know there's something there to uncover. Right, right, right. And and that's the reality of most of us, even as Christians, Mm -hmm. that we didn't understand that after salvation, God wanted to continue to do a work in us. He wanted to continue. That was the whole new covenant to give us a new mind and a new heart so that we could follow him. Mm. And that's the process of what this will accomplish for us is working with the Holy Spirit to help him go through and identify the lies in our minds that are continuing to drive so much of what we do that we're unaware of, that we're so deceived by the enemy. He's done a great job of keeping us deceived and we don't even know we're deceived. So Mm -hmm. that makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. So to really be able to say, wait a minute, maybe the truth is... I've got things in my head that I believe that are wrong and that they drive so much of what I do mm-hmm. or that I have feelings and things that were placed in me either through my family of origin, or through the enemy or through other people in my life. And those are the wounds that are continuing to drive the decisions that I make mm-hmm. or the, my responses. One of the things I thought a lot about was as a mom, I so struggled with raising my children. Yeah. I just felt so woefully inadequate and their problems to me seemed to be so real and so big and I didn't have the answers for them. Mm-hmm. And I no matter what I tried to do, I seemed to be failing. And I felt so much shame about that that I actually thought I'd be better off going back to work and getting someone who could maybe be a better mom to them. Yeah. Um, and when I realized that what was really driving me was shame that I felt I was responsible for their happiness. I felt like I was responsible for their well-being. I felt like I was responsible for whether they were well-educated or whether they behaved. It was a reflection on me. That everything they did was a reflection on me, and therefore, if they didn't, Behave. If they didn't respond in a way that was acceptable to the school community or the church community, then I was a failure, and I would respond with control and anger and blame instead of just recognizing, you know, they're just limited human beings and they're just struggling, and they need me to help them know what's in their mind and what's in their heart and why are they struggling too. So, Mm -hmm. as ladies, work toward getting in touch with
0: what's going on in their minds and hearts, they can start helping their kids do the same thing. So huge. I mean, so huge. I have a feeling almost every mom listening could identify with what you just described. It's almost like the umbilical cord was cut, but there was another cord that's there that were so tied. Um, our worth is so tied to their behavior and their performance that it's almost like we need to cut again the tie and be fully loved by God and see our full worth and our full identity separate from our kids and then pour out into our kids as separate souls that God loves that is directing. And it's super hard. (laughs) It's super hard. How did did you ever like sort out how to do that? Or how could you help a mom who's like, yes, I struggle with that right now? you know, I, I so
1: understand. And you're right. It is so hard. These are the things that I, I just think it's too bad that the hardest job that exists, I think in the world is being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very difficult thing that God has entrusted these little beings to us. And we do feel woefully inadequate to care for them well, but thankfully we can trust that God's caring for them through us and trust that he's going to show us you know, the way. So I would just say that, The most important thing a mom can do right now is to help herself get in touch with those things in herself. Allow the Holy Spirit to start rooting out the things in your mind and your heart that are um, affecting you in your everyday life. They're affecting every decision you make and they're affecting every response that you have. And helping you better see what those are and helping you heal those and move away from those to truth so that then you can start pouring those same kinds of things into your kids and helping them know their hearts better. Just to be able to sit down with them and just say, gosh, you seem really angry. Are you maybe afraid about something right now? Mm -hmm. And can you, let's talk about that. What may be going on inside of you? And I don't know about your listeners, but certainly nobody ever did that in my life. Mm. And, and so as an adult, now I'm s- just starting to better understand what was going on in my head and what was going on in my heart and to have the benefit of having our kids now have that
0: and really being able to get in touch with that is, is I think a great thing that our moms could be doing for their kids. Well, and, and even the way you just described that, you sounded like, guess I've had on before, uh, Jim and Lynn Jackson, they have this Connected Families Ministry, and their first step in disciplining your kids is the "You Are Safe" message, and it stems from the mom or dad getting in touch with their own stuff, so that they can be that safe place. Because when we haven't dealt with our stuff, and the child acts out, and we feel overwhelmed, which is actually fear, and we act in anger, that's a, that's the message they're getting: is you're not safe, you, you are not safe in my presence, because I'm just going to flip out. Because I'm scared. I can't give you the ability to express any emotions because I don't even know how to grasp my own emotions, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that we project to kids don't feel safe. They Mm -hmm. don't feel safe to be able to really talk and they don't understand what's going on with them. They need someone else to step in and help them. So as, as soon as we can start getting in touch with our own insecurities and fears and better understand how
0: those come out, that we can then start helping our kids do that as well. So good. Now you've kind of said it throughout the whole show, but, um, is there anything you want to add to about the biblical basis of your study? Um, I know you talked about the redemption and how we're being made new. Um, anything else you want to add about that? You know, I think
1: that, um, I was really struck as I was reading God's word, just about how he created a rescue plan for us for fallen man. Mm. And that rescue plan involved everything that we would need. That included not only Christ dying for us, but that also included the Holy Spirit being placed in us, And he would do the work to transform us into the image of Christ. Mm. And somehow we have made that into, it's my job to transform me into Mm -hmm. the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're doing everything just by trying to force right behavior on the outside, Mm. but we're not doing anything to change what's going on inside of us. And that's where the Holy Spirit wants to do the work. Mm. And he will do that. And he wants to do that as part of, working through basic spiritual disciplines. And that's what this process of recovery is. It's just a discipleship process that allows the Holy spirit to open up our hearts and our minds and really get to the root of where sin is active. And it helps us see how sin functions in our lives and where it's causing us to not be able to truly follow God and to just really be creatures who love as God loves.
0: Mm. I think of that you know, Romans analogy of of the spirit and the flesh, right? Before, before Christ, we are bound by the flesh. We can do nothing but what our flesh tells us to do. And then with Christ and believing in him, we are freed from that. We are under his, the kingdom of Christ's authority, but we still live in the flesh. We're still in the flesh, but we're not ruled by it. So there's this battle spirit and flesh, right? That we have to admit is there. If we think that we can just do it on our own, we're we're fighting flesh with flesh. (laughs) But I think with the Holy Spirit, we're given like an inner fighter who can uh, supernaturally in a way we probably don't understand, won't ever understand, fight for us. Like when God says, be still, it really means let drop, let your weapons that are of this earth drop and I'm going to fight for you, but you need to turn to me and let me do that. Know that I'm fighting for you. Know that I want you to beat this battle and win this battle and be more Christ-like. But you have to surrender all of that junk and all of that brokenness and all that shame so that you can be healed and you can be whole. Uh, but it, this is a step-by-step journey. It's not a one and done thing, right? If it could be, if we right. could just like, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. And we're just yeah. like Jesus. That would be awesome. But, um, It's a, it's a dependency there that is humbling and awesome.
1: I think that that you're so right in everything you just said. And that's the part that for me, at least I didn't understand so much of my initial Christian walk was just about if I just do enough, right, good things, Mm. then I'm going to be a good person Mm. and, and all of the right, good things I did didn't really change what was going on inside of me. I was still feeling exhausted and fearful Mm. and despairing Mm. and afraid. Mm. And so I really cried out and said, God, there's just got to be something more to this Christian life because this is exhausting to try to live like this. Surely, when you said that, you know, your burden would be light, This, this doesn't feel light. And and what I found was that I hadn't really surrendered and allowed the Holy Spirit to do the work in me that he wanted to do. Um, But I was unwilling um, or unaware that um, that process was, was available to me.
0: It's so awesome, Lynn. She's so great. I was talking to my parents last night and they're like, Heather, I was telling them about all of this and they're like, this was not talked about when we were growing up. This, even the idea of the Holy Spirit in us and all of that, it was not talked about. And they said, it's just so great that the church is embracing the work of the Holy Spirit in our life without it going so far, swinging one way that we're scared of the Holy Spirit, but that we Mm -hmm. can, I think the enemy used that, right? To rob us of the gift when Jesus said, I'm going to give you a gift, a helper, a counselor. And we're like, we just forgot about that. Um So uh, it's so exciting. I'm so thankful to have your resource that when someone comes to me and says, I really want to go deeper with God, what can I do that? I can point them your way. And I know it's kind of set up. uh, It's probably not an individual study. The goal is to be in a group, right? When you do this, The,
1: the goal is to be in a group. It can be done individually, but I think the benefit, like with any study that you do doing it as a group and being able to share and hear other people's stories makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. And, and then tell us about celebrate recovery, uh, or recovery for life. Can people find that around, you know, the United States or the world?
1: Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I started in, um, we started as a celebrate recovery ministry at our church at Northwest Bible. And not too long ago, we changed to the recovery for life, which is a completely independent recovery ministry. Okay. They're both, they're both really good, good ministry.
0: And they're just around, like, could people go to that site if I put the links in the show notes? Can they? If they want
1: to, they can go to the, um, celebrate recovery has, uh, international, uh, international, it's an international ministry and okay. they will list all of the different
0: locations that they have. Fabulous. I'll definitely put that in the show notes so that if someone's looking for even more accountability and direction that they can seek that out. Oh, Lynn, I've loved chatting with you. You're the best. Um, all the rumors were true. And I'm just so thankful that you came and shared with us all your own journey and process and all God's doing done in your life and doing. Thank you very much, Heather. Thanks for having me. Of course. My pleasure. I know you've heard me talk about recovery in the past. And if you're curious to know more about signing up for a recovery program, there are definitely links in the show notes, uh, I want you to take time and consider what are some recurring feelings you're having in motherhood. And when you feel those emotions to take a second and ask if it's valid or why you're experiencing it, what are you believing as you're feeling it? And what actions are you taking in response to that feeling? And what could you do to help your kids process their feelings appropriately? I think sometimes we can Overfocus on our kids' feelings and give feelings too much power, but I think we also need to give our kids language so that feelings don't overpower us. I am going to pray for us, and I'm I'm going to say a prayer for Lynn. I wanted y'all to know that in the last year, her husband's actually passed away, and um, I know she would appreciate prayer as she moves forward to know what God has for her next in her life and in her ministry as she's just getting started. You know, we're all. Um, Like I've told you before, this season of having kids home is just one piece of our entire lifelines. And as I'm watching my mom after the passing of my dad, there's just a whole nother story that happens for widows even and widowers. So I'm going to pray for Lynn and for us as we process all of these emotions. God, I come before you. I thank you for the one who's listening. I don't know if they're struggling with addiction, with a recurring emotion that's too um, controlling in their life, that the emotion is controlling aspects of their life, and that they want to be a little more free. God, I pray for any beliefs, um, beliefs of rejection, belief or lies of um, being unloved, unwanted, um, not enough, that you would point them to the truth that's in your word and to some counselors, some recovery programs, or whatever tools you have available to help them move forward so that you can they can do the things that you have prepared in advance for them to do, that the enemy would no longer hold them back with those wrong thinking, wrong feeling, and that they, they would know you have more for them. You have more for them, God. And it's through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the work of community that you're ready to release them to do those things. I pray for Lynn, God. I pray for continued healing of her broken heart as she moves forward in her life, without Richard, her husband. I pray for her relationship with her kids and with our community and give her discernment and wisdom on what you have for her next, God. We know that you are always growing us and moving in our lives to sanctify us to be more like you, God. And I know that her being here means her work is not done. And I thank you uh, for her mentorship of others, for sponsoring so many women in our community and Speaking truth into their lives. I pray, Lord, for your comfort and hers today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's August. Are we revving up for school? Going back to school? I'm going to have new episodes in September, some exciting interviews with Ruth Simon, Sarah May, fun friends of mine from the olden days in the blogging world. Um, We're going to have an interview with the gal who wrote Good Pictures, Bad Pictures all good stuff coming your way. If there is still tickets available, again, I'm recording this way before the tickets even go live. So it could be that we're all sold out. But we are having an event August 23rd in Capel, Texas. It is sponsored by Kate Duff and her MomCom community. They have several Don't Mom Alone podcast clubs. I want you to be there. Go to DontMomAlone.com forward slash live. And if we don't have tickets, I'm so sorry. There are more live events in our future. But I'd love for you to come. It's just $10. And if you want to be a Don't Mom Alone podcast club leader and get access to discussion questions for this episode, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join and you'll sign up for emails and you'll get a link to all of our curriculum. So even if you want to lead a group in the fall, you were inspired to lead a group. We'd love that. We want to support you. We have a Facebook group and some guides to help you as a leader. Okay. I hope you are wrapping up a great summer.